Hello, this is Trajina Stepanovich, and I'm UNL graduate student. Today I'll be talking about spring wheat production in western Nebraska. To get you started, um, I just want to talk about the most common crop rotation in western Nebraska for dryland agriculture. And most of the guys in the past 20, 30 years have done wheat corn fallow. But over the years, that fallow component of that crop rotation has become more expensive just because we had to use more herbicides and weeds got tougher to control. So we're spending anywhere between 40 and $100 every year on fallow. And especially if you're renting, the cash rent has gone up um, since 30 years ago. And then wheat and corn prices also in that crop rotation have gone down um, to a point where in the past couple of years we had some record low wheat prices and uh, corn prices have been three to four dollars. So on top of that we had issues with wheat uh, grain protein so that whole rotation has becoming less attractive and more guys are interested in uh, doing continuous crop rotation. So in a continuous crop rotation there's basically two groups of farmers one of them is trying to do wheat that likes to keep that wheat because of that residue. Um, they're trying to do wheat corn alternative crop with alternative crop being field peas or chickpeas or proso millet and even dryland soybeans or milo. And there's a, still a good number of guys that are keeping that three year rotation, but a lot of them are going to continuous corn. And I have here on the survey about 15% of the guys, but that probably went up to about 20 to 25 last year. And it's probably going to continue to increase with struggles on a wheat market. So this is where actually in this continuous crop rotation is where farmers believe spring wheat has a potential as a rotational crop, as a crop that's gonna break the wheat and pest cycles about three, third or fourth year into that rotation, farmers start typically to see uh, redu reduction in yield uh, and they don't see as much residue on the ground. So they know wheat can provide that residue and spring wheat kind of gave them an idea to go in there with that um, and hopefully harvest it with stripper header, build up the residue and then go into the continuous corn cycle again. So one interesting thing about spring wheat, the UNL actually looked at spring wheat about uh, 30 years ago and did about five years of spring wheat variety evaluation in Nebraska. And it turns out that in Eastern Nebraska, and this is 30 years ago, guys. So uh, in Eastern Nebraska, spring wheat yielded about 37% of winter wheat. And in Nebraska Panhandle, spring wheat yielded admirable 74% of winter wheat. Probably just higher elevation, cooler temperatures, shorter season, cooler temperatures than in eastern Nebraska, kind of made it more favorable environment for spring wheat. And you must be asking yourself with that 70% yield of winter wheat, why did we not adopt spring wheat 30 years ago? Well, there's a lot of spring. First of all, first uh, spring wheat is a totally different crop from winter wheat. It has a different futures and we don't have an infrastructure. We don't have readily available crop insurance, marketing opportunities, uh, availability of seed. I mean, the storage has to be separate from winter wheat. So we did not have that 30 years ago. We don't have it right now unless you have your own storage and your own marketing uh, that you do yourself. But also that 
wheat corn fallow rotation worked pretty well for a lot of guys back in the days. Corn prices were better, wheat prices were better. There were not as many herbicide resistant weeds, so fallow was very efficient. So they just kind of abandoned it. It didn't have uh, as much value. And uh, what has changed today is actually that corn and wheat price went down and fallow is more, less effective. Uh, like I said, cash rent went up and taxes are expensive, so more guys want to do continuous cropping. Uh, so it, with the financial opportunity changing in favor of spring wheat, um, you know, maybe it's time to revisit that and see if those yield differences between winter wheat still stand. So we wanted to kick off this research uh, this year at Harry and Jay Stump at a National Wheat Center near Grant. Our objective was to look at the, look at the number of spring wheat varieties, basically anything that we can get a hold on because there's no breeding programs in Central and Southern Plains for spring wheat. Most of those varieties came up, came from the North. And we also wanted to get some baseline information on management. The, the two things that kind of popped out was tillage and uh, nitrogen rates. So this is how the demo plot looked like at Grant this year. Uh, here is the layout. So first of all, we had different tillage blocks. Here is a no-till block, and then next to it was vertical till, and then conventional till. Conventional till is a little bit more aggressive type of tillage that incorporates most of the residue, whereas no-till kind of chops up the residue, disturbs the ground a little bit. Farmers uh, believe that um, tillage helps up break down that residue and warms up the soil a little bit better. It's easier to plant and it has a better stand. We have seen some of the spring pea producers do that in our area. So we had those three tillage blocks. Then three days after the tillage was performed, we planted 19 different varieties in each tillage block. Uh, so, and then a month after that, we came in with the sprayer across all those varieties and tillage blocks and apply five different nitrogen rates, uh, ranging from zero to 200 pounds of nitrogen. One important thing to mention is that previous crop was actually corn and uh, we had 120 bushel yield on this field for dryland corn and um, there was about 19 pounds of nitrogen in the top two feet of soil to start this crop. We planted spring wheat very early. Um, we're talking about early March. A lot of years we can't get into the field early March because it's uh, still frozen. As a matter of fact, there was still a lot of parts of the field that were frozen at that time on this farm, but this was kind of a sandier soil, so it worked out well for us. The seeding rate that we use, uh, that we got, uh, that was recommended to us was actually 1.3 million seeds per acre, but we upped that one to 1.5 million live seeds and we then adjusted that to 90% germination. So we probably had uh, 1.7, around 1.7 million seeds out there. We just didn't want it to seeding for seeding rate to be a limiting factor and just looking at how the plants got up and going, there was not as many tillers as we thought it would be. So seeding rate would be a very interesting study. I think even 2,000 seeds, uh, 2 million seeds uh, is, it might be uh, uh, even better than what we planted here. So we just didn't want that to be a factor. The, the, we had a 
like many of the guys in western Nebraska, we had pretty dry and hot year for spring wheat. And as a cool season crop, uh, especially in June out there, we had uh, two inches of water less than what we get on average. And a lot of guys didn't even get the drop of rain during that time in our area. But on top of that, we had a lot of 100-degree days and just a hot blowing wind all the time. And this is during the critical period of flowering and grain filling for spring wheat. So it wasn't really a great year for any spring planted crop. So going back to looking at the varieties and what they yielded, our plot average was 16.8 bushels per acre, which given a year we were pretty pleased with. Uh, averaging across all nitrogen treatments and tillage blocks, the best variety was Westbred 9590 uh, that yielded 20.2 bushels per acre, which was 42% off winter wheat yield that we got in a field just close by. What was really interesting uh, also is that we contacted six breeding programs from the north and five of them actually had at least one variety in uh, upper half of yield rankings, whereas North Dakota, all five varieties of, from North Dakota actually were in the bottom half of yield ratings. So I wouldn't throw any one of these away just yet because marketing is going to be such a big component of this study. We're gonna uh, try to look at the grain protein as well as baking and milling qualities for these, um, these varieties. So for example, if you have a good yielding variety but you, the millers don't want it and they don't have enough protein or enough uh, desirable bacon and milling qualities, you're gonna have a hard time selling that variety. So we're gonna do some kind of post-harvest analysis on grain to inform you guys on, on that as well. In terms of spring wheat response to nitrogen, uh, what I found most interesting is that uh, we had six bushel yield at zero applied nitrogen, which is pretty poor. But with uh, 50 pounds of nitrogen applied, we got a 10 bushel yield bump. And then for an additional 150 pounds of nitrogen, we only got six or seven bushel yield bump. So three times as much, three times, four times as much nitrogen and about half as yield gain. That was really interesting. So if you look at the, we talk about how many pounds of nitrogen to make a bushel of grain for winter wheat. And for spring wheat, when we applied 50 pounds of nitrogen, it actually took 3.5 pounds of nitrogen to make a bushel. And at the high nitrogen rate, it actually took 8.6 pounds of nitrogen to make a bushel. Another interesting thing, you can see that, uh, that in that nitrogen response, uh, when it starts to plateau and we start adding that nitrogen, it will be interesting after we do the protein analysis to just see how much the grain protein will change with that higher uh, with that uh, higher rate of nitrogen. So compare that to winter wheat. Winter wheat will make a bushel with about two. It needs about two pounds of nitrogen to make a bushel. So we're going to be fertilizing more per bushel on spring wheat than we do on winter wheat. That's the bottom line. Another thing that I want to mention is that on the lower nitrogen rates, the tillage treatments actually perform better possibly because chopping down that residue, breaking down and 
uh, residue facilitating the mineralization of organic matter, we had some nitrogen release. So tiller treatments actually yield a better and low nitrogen rate, whereas on a high nitrogen rate, no-till yielded about seven um, and up to 10 bushel yield advantage over tillage treatments. So if you don't touch that, in a year we had uh, so dry and so hot that extra residue on the ground helped reduce the evaporation, have more water available for a crop, and then increase the yield potential. And when you increase the yield potential, that's where the benefits from additional nitrogen come from. So when we talk about the optimal nitrogen rate, uh, this year the optimal nitrogen rate for spring wheat was 51 pounds of nitrogen per acre, but that will highly depend on a number of factors. First of all being yield response to nitrogen rate. So if we had a year with more rain and a little bit cooler year, the yield potential will probably increase and we would have probably had better response to nitrogen. But that didn't happen. We had dry and hot and dry years. So um, if, if we had the better, better year, the, that optimal nitrogen rate would probably go up. And the point of diminishing returns would probably move, um, move to a higher nitrogen rate. The op economically optimal nitrogen rate also depends on fertilizer price and grain market price that you get for your wheat. So if you think about it, um, if you are able to find nitrogen, um, if you're paying nitrogen, for example, in this year, if you pay for, uh, if you paid, if your nitrogen fertilizer was about zero, uh, 40 cents a pound, and you were able to sell your spring wheat for $6, not five, your optimal nitrogen rate would have been 78 pounds of nitrogen. So that optimal nitrogen rate really depends on a lot of factor. It's actually a, really a moving target. So, a lot of guys ask me, uh, I don't want to shoot for 20 bushel yield and apply 20 pounds of nitrogen. So I want to shoot for that 40 bushel year. And if I get the home run, I get, I get paid. So I want a fertilizer 40 bushel yield and high protein. So if I throw in more nitrogen um, and I don't get that yield, will some of that nitrogen that I over apply be available to the next year's crop, either through the residue or rest in um, or in the soil. So that was an interesting question. So after a, about a month after we harvested spring wheat, we went, at, went out there to uh, sample, uh, took some residue samples and soil samples, analyzed them for nitrogen content, and figured out that um, compared to control, uh, 200 pounds of nitrogen rate had about 10 pounds of nitrogen more in residue and 100 pounds more nitrogen in the soil. So that means if you apply 200 pounds of nitrogen this year, you know, uh, crop probably left 100 pounds behind. So the crop only maybe used 100. So is that going to be available for next year's crop? That's a very interesting question. It's about eight to nine months before now and corn planting. What's going to happen to that nitrogen is going to be very interesting to see. Uh, what we plan on doing is just planting corn without any fertilizer and maybe doing some pre-plant uh, nitrogen analysis in the soil to see if there's any difference. Uh, so uh, we're going to provide that information additionally. Another thing that um, kind of got uh, I was surprised with is just how little residue was there after this year's crop. We did not have a stripper header but we we asked, um, we had the stripper header, but we were not able to harvest our plots with that because we would lose a lot of grain. We harvested some of the 
spring wheat in a uh, in a buffer plots with the stripper header, which was really hard. Uh, it was very short, and we did not have as many. Um, I mean, we were risking about running that header to the ground. So stripper header is going to be really hard in a year like this. Uh, so there was not a lot of residue either. So if you're looking to build up the residue with spring wheat, um, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the way to go. Maybe, you know, going back to milo instead of spring wheat or continuing corn, maybe even better in terms of residue cover. But uh, one thing that we uh, forget is um, spring wheat doesn't tiller as much. And we a lot of times talk about how many pounds of residue we have per bushel of grain. And for winter wheat, that actually ranges, a rule of thumb is like 100 pounds of residue per each bushel. It's actually more than that, especially if you plant it a little bit early and over fertilize like we tend to do these days, but, uh, just for the protein content. So it's about 120 pounds. In spring wheat, that's actually about 83 pounds of residue per bushel of grain. So it's 30% less residue per bushel than compared to winter wheat. So that's something to keep in mind going forward. And this is the reference I use for that information. So what are the conclusions? We have some really promising varieties that yielded good at still grain protein and bacon and milling qualities are going to be important. So we're gonna to have to do that before we make any conclusions on what varieties are uh, adaptable for our environment. It's gonna take more than a year uh, in multiple locations. So that's why UNL is doing a statewide variety testing right now. And uh, I've been told that Cody Creech uh, has the information available from four locations in Nebraska, including McCook Grant and two locations in a panhandle. So stay tuned to look at that data as well, get informed. Um, in terms of tillage, no-till was by far the best practice than vertical and conventional tillage, especially at higher nitrogen rates. And then the optimal nitrogen rate for this year was 51 pounds per acre. Uh, like I said, that uh, the lack of that residue out there kind of concerns me a little bit, but we haven't had a really good year for spring wheat that's yet to be seen of what kind of residue we can expect in a better year. But rotational studies are definitely needed. So if we're going to break out the cycle on corn and see uh, what's the benefit of going one year into spring wheat, instead of just keep doing corn, we're gonna have to do some rotational studies on side-by-side -side comparison. And that's gonna take time, at least two years, to set that up. And um, it's going to be interesting just to see um, where it takes us. With that, I would like to open up for any questions.